I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to the live stream edition of the John Conn Report. You see Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, here with me. Going to be here for at least 30 minutes and answer answer questions, talk about the playoffs, talk about Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. And don't forget, you can check out Between the Hashes, our college football preview every week. Check out All's Caps, ALZ Caps, with former Washington Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and AP hockey writer Steve Wino. But you're here to talk about the Commanders seven and five, Bram. Yeah. And playoffs, playoff. They're right now. They're in. There's a long. There's a long way to go. But right now, they're in. Well, right now they're in. I mean, here's the better one. I did this. You know, I got to talk for three hours a day. Here's the better one. Um, Let me go through like what is realistic at this point for NFC teams. Like going into the season, um, the reason why I liked Washington to make the playoffs just in general was, you know, I didn't feel like that the NFC was particularly strong. Um, And there were going to be a lot of teams, and some of this is upside down, but I didn't expect much from Chicago. I really didn't expect Detroit to be a playoff team. I didn't expect the Giants, we'll get to them in a minute, really to be doing what they're doing. I didn't expect uh, Carolina, Atlanta. I mean, there were just so many candidates. Seattle, and they're another interesting one. Like, I didn't expect really any of them to really be, you know, like um, realistically competitive for playoff spots. And so I just thought the road was, was very thin, you know, to get through um, now, like the fact that the Rams Cardinals Packers and Buccaneers to a you know lesser degree, but still the Buccaneers are so upside down. Um, it's going to be hard for them to frankly, not make the playoffs. And if you look at the road right now, honestly, it's like Washington, Seattle, New York and either Atlanta or Tampa are going to end up in like two or three spots. And so, because these other teams have already rendered themselves basically out of this and I'm shocked, you know, at like Arizona, the Rams and Tampa and green Bay and teams like that, because that's happened. Like, honestly, I think the baseline is two more wins. And I think if they get three, they're in. And if they get two, it's probably enough. I mean, it's really, it's really remarkable. Well, and here, before we came on, and first of all, I apologize for my audio on this end. Some having some issues with the cords, the mics, whatever. So I apologize for how it sounds. I know everybody always talks about it. So we're working on it. But anyways, tonight there was a little bit of an issue. Anyway, Bram, so I was going over before we got on here. Yeah, by the way, somebody asked, no big hats. No, I don't have, I don't have a hat. I can't even fake a hat like that, like Brian Robinson had. Anyway. So looking at the playoffs, nine is going to be, to me, going to be in a, you're going to be in a tiebreaker most likely. Ten, I think you're you're in. So here's Seattle's schedule. Right now, let's say the way San Francisco is playing, and I think in their schedule, they're going to make it. Let's say, let's give them the division. One of those teams win the division. Right now, Seattle's in second there. 
So it's really Seattle, New York, and Washington for two spots. So Seattle's schedule. Unless both Atlanta and Tampa both somehow get hot at the same time, but they are playing each other at the end of the season. So that's that's the one caveat. But, you know, we're talking about a bunch of teams in general here that don't look like they have the propensity to go on six-game win streaks. Right, and Atlanta is essentially two games behind Washington. So right now I'm leaving them out of the discussion. And looking at the teams, that they'd are- have to get hot, win the division, and then right. Tampa would have to be alive and near Washington. Right. So Seattle has at the Rams, home to Carolina, 49ers at KC, Jets, and then hosting the Rams. That, unless they collapse, it's kind of easy to see them getting to certainly eight wins and possibly nine. Because- it's crazy you say that. Just think about that. They're like, Four of the final six are the Rams, the 49ers, or the Chiefs. And you're sitting there going, I have a hard time seeing them not win a certain and, amount. And the hard game, and the hard game would, would, might be the Jets. So yeah, it's crazy. So, so it is crazy, but, you know. Seattle's also gotten really cold. They just gave up 40 points at home. Correct. You know, so like not right. unlike what I think we'll probably talk about the Giants a little bit here. And probably what they're saying about us, there is a regression to the mean that I think can be expected here. These are not teams that are built to be big, hot, 12, 13 win teams. Correct. So, so you look at that, the one thing then, okay, let's say they get to nine wins. A tiebreaker is the division is the conference record. If it's for the wild card and it's, you're not in the same. So Seattle right now is four and four in the conference and also four and four in the conference. So right there, it's going to be a tight one there. Then the giants have, let's see what they have. Um, the giants, the giants have oh, like what Washington, Washington had last yeah, year. Washington. Philly at Washington at Minnesota, Indiana at Philly. Yeah. Now the they, they have a season, really they have a really tough end of season. The schedule. hard part for them is if let's say Washington and the Giants are tied. Let's say they split, and then Washington and the Giants are tied. It could very well come down to that last game of the year when they play Philly and Washington plays Dallas. And if if Dallas and Philly are already set and they don't need it, and and they both teams win. Well, Washington gets a tiebreaker because they'd have a better divisional mark. Yeah, so, well, I mean, assuming it plays out the way we think, there's so much to play out. But like, you know, honestly, for for our purposes, we need Dallas to be close to Philly at the end of the year, and therefore that game, those games matter. I think for them. Um, well, I think you'd rather you, you can't have Philadelphia if they got the one seed. They're going to rest everybody. Well, so, if Dallas and Philly are both. Let's say Philly's got the division. Dallas is entrenched as the first wild card. It doesn't mean anything to either. I kind of think that's what you'd rather have because then if they both, if the Giants and Washington both win, then Washington gets it because they'd have the better divisional mark. So there's a long way to go, yeah. and we're getting I, a little I, bit I far. Three and two down the stretch. I think Washington is going to get in. Three right. and two, and three they've and got three of five at home. You know, so really they're going to be out of excuses. So they've got to get, it's not easy, obviously, because the two Giants games certainly look different than they did when they were put on the schedule. But, you know, listen, it's going to be hard, short of whatever happens this weekend, because we don't know. The And I've complained openly about the crazy things that have happened to Washington schedule-wise. I think they've been really jobbed a number of times in recent years. But this one, this one takes the cake. And if I were the Giants, I would be furious that they're playing Washington this week. Washington's going to have a bye week. They're going to play the Eagles, and then Washington is going to play the Giants again. Not only do they get a week off, they get a week off to not even prepare for a different team to have the and then have them come in here. Like right. it's, it's an 
utterly ridiculous break that they got in the schedule. And there's going to be short of a bunch of injuries we don't know about this weekend. There's going to be no excuse for Washington not to win at least that second game. Listen, and I had um, our ESPN reporter Jordan Ron on on the podcast, and that's going to air on Thursday morning going over the Giants game and just what to expect from the Giants and a scouting report on them. And I'll be honest, like after talking to him, like, you know, could you see a sweep? If I think if one team sweeps, it's this team. That's how I look at it. Now, we always know that weird things happen when this team goes up to New York. That that much we can count on. And it's like it used to always be the Giants were struggling and Eli was on the verge of looking like horrible. And then Washington would show up and it's like everything was solved. So, yeah. you know, it always felt like it would go that way. So you never know what happens up there, but they're, they don't stop the run. They have trouble, as Jordan explained, they have trouble defending the edges. Their, their top corner right now, Bram, I think is Fabian Moreau. So he was out last week. Um, I don't know if he's back. He's Dory supposed to come back this week. Dory Jackson's out. You know, so. what's, what's interesting here um, is – you know, I really this screams of a week where um, because uh, Washington saw this early and they're going to get it here. Wink Martindale brings a tremendous amount of pressure. That's um, the key. They, they bring a tremendous amount of pressure. Correct. So, you know, can they handle this differently than they did earlier in the season? And there's a couple questions that I have about that. One, Taylor Heineke's not nearly moving around as much as he was in the past. I don't know if that's by design. I don't know if it's just that they're so run heavy that like there's no necessity to do it, but there's part of this that feels like to me, he's going to be a sitting duck. Like any quarterback would be a sitting duck. If he just sits back there and secondarily, because he's not moving around very much, um, the longest pass play they've had the last couple of weeks is 26 yards. Okay. So they're not even one. They're not even attempting passes basically down the field secondarily. So like, is that a big deal this weekend? I think maybe, Right. Like, I think this offense is going to have to get a little more creative again than they've probably been a little less. I know it seems like let's just run the ball 40 times a game and we'll be fine. I think we're going to need to be a little bit more reliant on a passing game. And I do have some open questions about how many games Heineke has played to this point and just a general feel of how he looks. I don't know if the season's caught up to him a little bit, but I'm, you know, we, we need to get him through this weekend. Hopefully, with some plays down the field because they should be there for this team. And then, um, you know, some, I don't care what the score is again, just squeeze out a win one way or the other, head into a bye, and then they're sitting pretty at that point. Yeah, you know, if they win really this game, they're in control. If they win this game, they're in control. And to your point, Bram, like my big key, and I'll get to my keys and predictions for on over the weekend, clearly I think a big key will be how well you do on early downs and being negate the pressure by putting yourself in a good situation. And I think that's what they've done quite a bit. So I think that's going to be a big key, but you're right. Like I can talk about how the secondary looks, but it really is. Um, I mean, answer Jay Kurt's 20 question in a minute, but here, but it really is about putting him in a good spot and being avoiding the pressure by third and three, third and two. And what can you, you know, not put, not getting those, first and 10 sacks that put you in a bad spot. That's what they have to avoid. But if they do, then I think the chance to pass this week is, um, is definitely, is definitely. This comment's a big deal to me too. Yes, I want to get to this. Needs more looks. 
Um, is a chemistry change a quarterback offense needs to be better if Ron is, is Taylor on a short lease? Are they winning in spite of him? I don't like to say winning in spite of him. I really I don't believe in that. Like I think right. he doesn't make a tremendous amount of mistakes. He puts them in a good position. He makes a lot of good decisions, albeit some he makes some yeah, like every quarterback, he makes some bad ones. There was a really bad interception at the end of the first half. There could have been a, a late pass interception on the McLaurin play on the sideline that, that he was late on, and it was a nice play by Terrell and they got lucky, you know, that he didn't pick it off and it ended up hitting the ground. But it, like every time I hear somebody, you know, freak out about his mistakes, I'm like, every quarterback makes mistakes. Like you've got to calm down in general in crunch time. He's making very good decisions. What I'm seeing is not him at the last few weeks. And I do wonder why, like what, what's going on there. And on Jahan Dotson, I think this is a really big deal. Like this guy's been targeted like four times in the three games since he's come back. He's made two catches. They've made almost no effort to incorporate him in the offense. And I knew we would be doing this, that like every week we're going to be like, who's the guy that's not getting the ball because somebody's not getting the ball. But I think they need to get him back going. This is my point about the downfield passing game a little bit. He's being underutilized, not even the word for it. He's been a month-long decoy. So I think it is time to dial him up a couple times to get him involved. So here's a couple of things with, um, with first with Heineke, the leash I think will go, I think they'll give him like if they went up to New York and he, and it, and it doesn't go well and they lose and the offense doesn't look great. I think they're going to stick with him for one more game, give him another chance. Right. Cause you know, that's, that's how, that's how they've been. And I, and I, I would say, I feel pretty safe in saying that. So, and I, I think that's, but you never know. It depends. It ha- we have to see how it goes to get to that point to see how long the leash really leash is. But I think he would. I think the leash is one bad game will not get him out of there. One really bad game plus a loss. I think there are plays that he makes every game, and the the tight end to John Bates was an example. And the timing and the rhythm of the play, outstanding call, outstanding throw, outstanding everything. With execution yeah. was very good, yeah. and there were a lot of things that they sold the fake. Well, there's so many things that go into it. The, the some of the checkdowns where you're giving guys a chance to run with the ball, the, the swing to Brian Robinson, give him a chance with some space, get ahead of steam and go. There was another one to, to Antonio Gibson. And again, that's I'm not diminishing the mistakes. We all see them. But when people say, why is he still playing? Those are some of the reasons I don't make it up. You don't make it up. This is what they say. And, you know, there are things that they like that he does. And, and it's and now as far as Wentz goes, the the question would be like what here's what you know the, what you hear is has you can see that he's maybe a little bit more confident with some things because he had a chance to really step back and 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 watch it and learn it more and that you know maybe it allowed his body to heal that he maybe he was dealing with some things that they didn't even realize that helps him as well if he goes back in but it's still a risk and I think they know that because they don't want to you know they don't want to put a guy out there knowing that what he's done. Now, the other part on Dotson, Bram, that has to be brought up, one, they're not throwing the ball a lot. So his chances Correct. are going down automatically, too. Like, there was a throw – there was a play in the Houston game. He breaks wide open on the left side, and it was early in the game. And Heineke has him, and he doesn't throw it. And I don't know why, but he was there. So there are times where he's getting open where the, the trigger's not being pulled for whatever reason. And sometimes it might be that you can't see what, what Heineke's seeing – but the other part of it is, I think part of the reason is that with the run game, they want De'Ami Brown in there blocking too. And De'Ami Brown has done a really good job there. That's cutting into Jahan's time as well. So, but I agree with you. Like I thought last week might be a week where he would get a little bit more involvement. So did I. I. Certainly, I certainly yeah. think this week you need you. I would want to get him involved too. The kid is good. 
This is not on him. And the kid is good, but I do think the style of play lends itself, lends them to want, lends himself, lends it to getting Deami Brown a little bit more in there and Cam Sims as well to block. And yeah. that takes I, mean, reps. I don't want this to come off like I'm complaining because I'm not complaining about wins. Um, but I do think it is fair to ask for a little bit more. I thought like one of the most important things I heard after the Houston game was in, in the locker room. They, you know, they clipped off John Allen's speech after the post game, he called out the offense and said, you guys left all this stuff on the field. This was the, the biggest margin that they'd had the entire season. They won handily. It was never really even close. Defense was incredible in the first half. And he's like, Hey, I'm not pointing you out individually, but you guys left too much on the field. And I have a, I have this, you know, kind of sick feeling of they are, they're leaving a little too much on the field. Yes. That There is more to get to um, and that there is a higher level they can go. And the, the fact remains that, like, I love that they're winning all these games, but you got to be crazy to think that they're going to have, like, this is going to continue in perpetuity, that they're they're literally, uh, you know, a mistake losing all of these games. It's razor's edge every single yeah. week. And I love how competitive they are. And I love that they're winning. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not complaining about any of that, but we all know that Deron Payne tips a ball up in the air. That could easily land in Drake London's hands, you know? And then all of a sudden, was, you're this- sitting there like, what happened or like one corner falls down on one play and all of a sudden they're down. I think we need to start, you know, asking a little bit more of, can they do this? Can they do that? Right. And, you know, but there's a lot of positives here too. Like that was Brian Robinson's best game by far. He looked great. You know, this is the first time that they were not only just heavy run reliant, they were dominant run reliant and they had the average to show for it, to go with it. He was outstanding he um, was to terrific. your point about like, to my point about like, some I feel like this team is kind of like a basketball team a little bit. If you don't put the ball in everybody's hands every once in a while, they get disengaged. And that's why I don't want this to happen. Honestly, like I was happy they targeted Bates a few times. It felt like it was a reward system for all the hard work that he's doing with all the blocks and everything. He could have scored two touchdowns in that game. I felt like they targeted him purposefully. I'm asking them to target Jahan a little bit more purposefully because if you get him going in any way, I don't want to take anything away from McLaurin or anything away from Samuel. And obviously you're right. They're not like throwing as much as they used to. So not everybody's going to get the ball, but if they don't, if they get them all engaged, all making plays, that's where this offense gets super dangerous, like super dangerous. Correct. And it's not super dangerous right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When we start looking at like quarterback decisions here, let's say they put Carson Wentz in, and the assumption is, would they? Well, the question would be, do they run that? They to me, if you're going to do that, you keep the same commitment to the run game, and let him operate under those parameters. Early in the year, the the tendency was to throw the ball more because you got a big, strong arm guy. You got you know McClure and Dots and Samuel, and then Logan Thomas is out there, so. You have to make sure that what you're you're sticking to your commitment to the run game and putting him in a better spot to throw. When Wentz was out there the first time, he did not have this Brian Robinson. He did not have, you know, Logan Thomas being what he is. I think the line is better. Trey Turner is 
far he's better. He's been than, way better than what he way was. Way better than he was on the air. Yeah. So, so it's a, it'd be a, he'd be coming into a different situation. And then, then he what's is, the But this the goes other? back to the middle of the season when, you know, when Rivera was asked about, like, what's the difference between you and these other teams? And he says, quarterback. Yes. The reason why Heineke, well, Heineke's got more mobility, which was very important, still is very important. I'm not offense. seeing as much of it, but is very important. But largely, he also has way more a grasp of this offense. Correct. Like, That's huge. You know, so like, so I, I like, I don't know where you are. Like, I am not in any way, shape, or form advocating a change there. I'm just seeing the starting phase of a decision that will be looming yes. if they can't figure out how to get more production out of a passing game that should be more productive. And this weekend, if they run the ball down the Giants' throat and they can run the ball 40 times and they can control the clock and you know dominate them and win, I'll shut up about it. But I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Like I think there's going to have to be some opportunity downfield passing game they're going to have to take advantage of. So they're in a prove-it spot to me with that because yeah. they have the players to do it. They're going to have the matchup on their side. Are they capable of doing it? And can Heineke look like Heineke doing it again? Yeah, let's just know the Giants are not good against the run, so they can run the ball on them. They give up like oh, they give up over five yards of carry. They're twenty third in, in rushing yards allowed, but there is a weak spot in the secondary, so I can definitely see them needing to test them back there. And I think you know, so I, I can see that as well. I the question again that I go back to even with Wentz is even though I t I say this like they feel like he's more confident in certain things that how's that going to manifest itself in the field? And you're not putting him out there until you're absolutely sure that not that he's ready. Um, Jay Kerr wants to know, do you think they'll put in Hollywood Wentz if they ever bench Heineke? No, because Hollywood ready. It's not even, it's not even a, it's not remotely a question for them. How, how's a guy like this, this, this infatuation with how it, it, it's. I don't get it. And you know what? I'm not advocating changing him. I'm just no. saying like, I see the writing on the wall here. If things don't change for them. Right. And eventually. Right. And right. eventually, because every game is so close, give me a break. They're not going to win all of these like this. Like, it's right. been they, – listen, they've been great. I don't want to take anything away from them. They've been really great. They're fighting their you-know-what's off, and I appreciate it. And they keep making these crazy plays down near the goal line in, in crunch time. It's amazing what they're doing. And I'm like, really it, – it's really – it's incredible. And I'm going to end for the ride. But I'm also here to go, all right. Like now that your defense is doing this on a regular basis, can your offense play, you know, just a little bit more of a quick strike offense when necessary and right. when it's afforded to you? Like, I'm not saying get away from what they're doing that's working. I still think they would be heavy run, heavy reliant. What I'm seeing here is there's a facet of their game that literally doesn't exist and hasn't for a few weeks. And I don't know if that's Heineke's just not being Heineke. If they're not targeting the right guys at certain times, is not taking advantage of the matchups, or if they're just fat and happy with running the ball and playing defense. But all I know is every single game comes down to a left hand up at the three yard line and getting a tip to go your way. And eventually, like eventually, that's gonna go the wrong way. It that's, is. That's, like, and and you don't want it to happen in December when you need it the most because they lost too many games early in the season. They haven't banked anything yet well enough to have the mistake game go awry for them. It can hurt them. I like the left hand up reference. Mr. Ron B wants to know, other than finishing drive, where does Washington need to elevate their level during the stretch run? And this is, I put this up there because it's exactly what we've been talking about, the pass game. You have to be more consistent and get more plays out of that just to get a few more quick strikes and, and more chunk plays. Um, that's where you elevate it. Now, can they? We'll see. But that's what that's where it's going to have to be. And then Sean Garner wants to know, um, come on, get it up here. There we go. Does Chase Young play this week? I don't know. <laughs> that's 
I don't know, but I wanted to address it because they don't know right now. Wednesday's practice will be a big tell. He looked really good last Wednesday, and but I still wonder, I'm still not sure if they're 100% sold that he's showing the confidence that he needs to for them to then activate him. So I think it's still very questionable this week, but we'll know more Wednesday. We'll know more certainly by Friday afternoon. I think we'll probably know. Um, they were very upbeat about him last week after Wednesday, and then it just kind of waned a little bit. So it's still it's still very questionable. The other uh, the other one that really stood out to me from the other day that is I think is a glaring void now. And I'm actually I want to give them a lot of credit because they've gotten by without this person for weeks. And I can't believe it happened because they were so thin at the position. But they really missed Cole Holcomb the other day, like really badly. It was like one of the first times that, you know, they they went up. I got to tell you, Atlanta's offensive line is real. Like that was very, very I good. I love their run game. Their run game's outstanding. It feels very Navy-ish. Um, if they had a more, you know, if they had a better passer, like, honestly, um, I, you know, I think they'd probably have a better record. Like, they, I like the way they play. They're very physical. They're very tough. I like their line. Their running yeah. backs, you know, they come in waves. Patterson's a monster. Mariota made great decisions against them, I think, which is probably everybody's a little worried this weekend with Daniel Jones because he's even a better trigger man for that zone read stuff. <laughs> but, like, this was the first. I can't believe it took this long to miss him. But this was the first time that I really felt like they missed Cole Holcomb on the field. And I know he's not coming back anytime soon because of this foot injury, but I would love to see him back for a stretch run and a playoff run. Yeah, and I and I, I also I will say I think it was good practice for them this week to face Mariota last week and that, and that zone read because they've struggled against in the past against Jones with the zone read. So that was a good reminder of how you have to play it. And later in the game, I felt like they played it much better, especially down in the goal line where – um, James Smith Williams attacks the mesh point and, and, you know, then was able to corral um, Jones off, or excuse me, Mariota off that. That's where Chase Young would help too. If you get an at you, the more athletic end you have, the more you can defend that play. Justin check wants to know why was Erickson returning over Jahan? Make it make sense. Wiseman. All right. So the re basically from the start of the season, though, this is the only time I thought that Jahan would have gone out there was when Atlanta was punting from its own end zone and then you'd have a chance for a longer, like a, if it's a line drive, you got a chance for a big return. Otherwise they weren't going to put it back out there. And I also think because he hasn't done it this year that, and I know Erickson hasn't, but this is, that is his, that's been his job in the NFL. So, you know, he's a sure-handed guy. This is a game. The number one thing those guys want is catch the ball, secure the ball. Anything after that becomes gravy for them. So secure the ball. Jahan hasn't done it in a game. It's a wet day. Why put him out there? So that would be the reason, um, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't cost him. I know he went to these big runs. I, I'd look at more at the kickoff returns with Gibson, what he's doing yeah. well. But, like, that's why. They want the sure-handed guys back there and then go from there. But I think if it had been – I this is my own thought. If it had been better weather, it wouldn't have shocked me if they put Dotson out there for in a, in a situational-type um, yeah. role where it's like you have a chance for the big return. So I yeah. wanted to answer that. Yep. All right. So I did, Bram. Um, I did want to go over a couple questions now. If if um, if you if you if you have more time, let's let's go over some questions. We got a lot of questions on Twitter, so I make sure I want it. We all we answer the Dotson one um, from Rush Manuel. Who, in your opinion, has been the most improved offensive and defensive players to date on the Commanders? Most improved 
a defensive player, Deron Payne is okay. Deron Payne has been dominant okay. this year. Um, I would say Allen too, because I think now that Aaron Donald's missing time, I will be surprised if John Allen does not get voted all pro this year. I right. mean, I think he's been best at his position. And if you know, if people are paying enough attention to what's been going on with him, he he's had an astronomically great year, and I would hope that he's going to get rewarded that way. But Payne has really stepped up so much so that I don't see, and I don't, and I know Rivera already addressed it, but like, I don't see a path to them to not resign him now. Like I, how you yeah. break up that tandem sounds crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I, and I, and I think, I mean, the reason they kept him and didn't train him at the deadline or in the offseason is because, or at least before the season is because they, they think they can keep him. So, and, and yeah. listen, I don't, I don't, I think it'd be silly. Like, Here's the other thing, Brand. With that D line next year, you have if you if you're able to keep paying, you also have Mathis coming back, and you also then have John Ridgeway. They really like John Ridgeway. So do the players. And everything I've heard it from players. I've heard it from coaches. When that guy gets used to playing in this system, it's going to be a big help. And yeah, so, I mean, and, Commander Dan said St. Juice. I think there's a lot of a lot of candidates on defense. Well, and here's, Eric Forrest has been outstanding. Right. I think beyond Damon Davis they put on that list. St. Juice, St. Juice was practicing as a slot in the spring. Was forced to go to the outside and go look what Justin Jefferson is doing to literally everybody else. I mean, like think about that game now. I know he had good numbers, but think about that game now and the way he played, considering what you've seen from them. Payne's been great. Sweat's gotten better and better and better. I mean, the defense on the whole, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the improvement, especially from the young guys. On offense, that's hard. I mean, you know, it was nice to see Curtis Samuel back, but I'm not surprised at what he's doing. I would say, you know, Brian Robinson, but I, I don't know that it's fair to judge him off of the injury that he had. I don't think we really know what shape his body truly is in right now. So I think that that's really hard to judge him. Um, Heineke's been outstanding once again when necessary for them. And I actually think his game has grown tremendously. I hope it has not hit a wall, honestly, is what I feel like a little bit when I watch him. Like he's hit a wall a little bit and maybe the bye will do him good and get him back and rejuvenated. But I think he's been great. And then McLaurin just keeps getting better and better and better every well, single year. Well, here's the one guy that I think has improved from, from the start of the year. It, we mentioned him as Trey Turner. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a subtle thing. But he's gotten better. But, like, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, he was hurt. So is that really an improve? You know, that's, so that's why he was struggling earlier. But he has played better lately. And I think Robinson clearly has improved. But he had no choice because he, he was hurt and or he was shot. And then, he, you know, had to recover from that. And you have to get used to it. So to say it's an improve that he's vastly improved, well, he's steadily improving. But I think it's easier on defense. And there's a bunch of them on defense Here's another one, a brand from Reginald Skinner. When can Ron Rivera get in the coach of the year talks? All the drama in and outside of football and winning games. That's a good question. That's the first yeah. I've heard his name pop up, and I think he deserves consideration. So I hope he gets consideration for it. He's um, He's been asked to do more than any head coach in the league by far, not close. So, yeah. um, and he's kept this thing together. And the six and one run started Thursday night in Chicago. And that morning, the ESPN report came out. So <laughs> just, just think about that for a second. Like the thing that should have blown up their season um, ended up somehow galvanizing a locker room. Um, I think there's a lot. I don't think it's as simple as defining it that way. But 
You want to talk about somebody closing the ranks, closing the doors, shutting out the noise, keeping a team beyond competitive. Um, you know, I, I think I think if they end up with 10 wins, you know, I think he'll get consideration. The problem is he's going to have 10 wins and third place in his division, and it's going to be hard for him to make the case when Sirianni's 14 and three or, you know, whatever their record ends up being um, or Gal, you know, it's not, it's not often you get like a third place team gets coach of the year. Um but I, I I appreciate that someone thinks he should be in consideration. I, he should absolutely be because very few have had to deal with what he has to deal with here. I think one of the strengths, and I brought this up with Nikki and I talked about this after the game. Um, but one of the one of his strengths has been the consistency. And I even it's funny because I tweeted this out the other day. But early in the year, I, I you hear from people like he's got to show more emotion on the sidelines. He's got to do this. He's got to. The key to why one of the things that he does very well for them is he stays calm amid the chaos. They appreciate that. And I, and I can tell you, like I have players will say, sometimes I had a player tell me one time, like, dude, you should listen to our meetings. Like it's he's awesome in there. Like, and these guys really appreciate how he's been with them. So like, again, in the chaotic situation, he's handled it well. And that's a, that's part of the reason why they're winning. So Here's another one, Bram. Redundancy wants to know. I'm going to answer that. I'm going to take this one real quick. How much better can Brian Robinson get? What do you think his ceiling is? Ramping it up since the injury, getting better every week. One of the things I really liked last week, there's a couple of things. First of all, the receivers and tight ends I thought blocked really well the other day. When you start getting that, it allows guys like Robinson and Gibson to then get more yards down the field. One of the things that you noticed that we noted that was noticeable last week is the the confidence that he has with knowing where he needs to be, where the defense may have some holes, et cetera. So the way his ability to press the hole and bounce outside, his ability to get outside and with some, with some motor was a difference. So I think, then I think the other thing is reading that second level before his goal was get to the second level. Now his goal is read the second level and get beyond. And you saw that the other day, you could see him reading the linebackers where they were in relation to the hole and, and, and when he pressed it and getting outside there. So I think you can start to see more of that and the consistency with it. Um, I think as much as anything, he's still like, when you talk to them over there, they still don't think he's in for what he's going to be, you know? And so I think there's still definitely room, but I think you can, I think we saw a big um, uh, uh, foreshadowing the other day of what he could be. Now, can you do that every week? It's kind of hard to run for a buck five every week. But that I think it's the style of what he showed is what they think can be he can be consistent with. I'm surprised. The one thing that surprised me, but I learned it in camp. He's a natural pass catcher too. I don't know how much they're going to use him that way, but but he is. You saw you know him in space and the touchdown. We'll see guys truck people like that very often either. It was by far his best game as a pro. And again, like I don't really know how truly healthy he is. You know, only he and the team really knows that. He so, said they, they still say he's not where yeah. they think he's going to be. Yeah, but he was he was outstanding last week. He really yeah. was. So, and then a couple more, and it's a deep cut. We already talked about Jahan, but I do want to add to this. Was the Jahan pick away since they rarely throw to him? No. No, because the guy's going to be really good. I mean, like, I, I can't emphasize how much I enjoy watching him run routes and watching him get open. And I see it every game when the guy gets open. Now, I, you know, where – there's a play where player two where he makes a move here, makes a move there. They do need to get him the ball more. I think the evolution of this offense has got to be in the pass game, and that's when he's going to become a bigger factor 
So no, I don't think it was a wasted pick. Um, no. So, no. Like once when this thing is fully operational and the three of those receivers are seeing, you know, week to week kind of a rotated group of targets, watch out. Like watch so, out. So we got maybe a, two more here, Bram. Jeff Weinbarger wants to know, has the reporter really gotten into what Coach Rivera and his staff think of Sam Howell? I don't mean just an answer of, of he is a work in progress. Does he really have a shot at the QB job come next season? Why well, have not this question? Yeah, dude, but you can answer this, but I, I just want to start with this. Why does everyone care so much right now? I don't know. I, this is why I wanted to bring it up. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think- understand. Like, they're seven and five. They're winning with this quarterback. We know who their backup is when he's healthy and ready to go. It's, it's the guy they spent $28 million a year, you know, a year on. Like, who cares about next year? Can we well, stop talking about next year? This year is very much alive. If they were four and eight, I would hear you out on this. But like at seven and five and having won six of their last seven games, I really don't care who the quarterback is next year at this point. Well, and and the one thing, the reason why I bring it up is for that. And number two is, um, first of all, I know they liked him before the draft, period. I know that. I know that if, if, they, if they had not traded for Wentz, they would have drafted Sam Howell higher than what they did. And it would have been a competition. They probably would have brought another veteran in, but they liked him enough where he would have gone higher than the fifth round for them. So I know that. I also know he has a long way to go. And like Bram, I mean, you know, I don't, I think Bram, I think what people want is as much as the winning is get that guy for the future, but shoot, look around this league, you know, like how many guys are changed all the time. Like, what I think you should be excited about is this is a defense that could be really good for a while. I mean, this is a young defense. So, and I know the next step is getting that quarterback or getting a consistent offense. Um, And, you know, I think there's just so much to go before we get to the point where is he in that competition? I would not put him there now. No. Call me in the spring. Like who cares? Right. right right, I'm trying to enjoy this. There's seven and five. There's a humongous game this weekend. Right. who cares about next year? Yes. So, all right. So we'll end on this one. Commander Ant wants to know, over the last seven games, how do you view this team? They beat Philly, went toe-to-toe with Minnie. Do you think their style of play is sustainable in the playoffs if they make the playoffs? Yeah. Defense in a run game travel. Um, right now, they'd play Minnesota. You're not confident they can't win that game? I am. So, um, you know, they're they're probably, right now, Two teams that I I would have a hard time buying them win a playoff game against, especially because they'd be on the road, and that's the 49ers and the Eagles. But things can change, and the 49ers go through bouts where they don't score a lot of points. So who knows? Um, outside of that, like I like their chances, and that's why I said like let's focus in, stay focused here on the here and now. Like they have a dominant defensive line. Nobody has more tackles for losses than this group does. They're having the, the threesome of Sweat, Allen, Payne are having maybe, you know, and I'd have to get like a historian to, th- to look at it. They might be having the best season any trio along a Washington defensive line has ever had. Like, and the metrics <laughs> may show that. Like, they're ridiculously great this yeah. year. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Two Hill and Smith Williams and these other guys who have been clearly big time contributors too, but those three have been outrageous. You know, like the, like this is, it's cartoonish how good they've been, how many plays they blow up every single week. I mean, there was one Patterson had some big run last week that John Allen missed the tackle on. He was standing three yards in the backfield. Like it was crazy. Like how many times they nearly look like they're going to blow up a play. Um, 
So, yeah, of course this travels. If they're going to run the ball like this, stick to it, not turn the ball over very much, and play defense like this and come through in critical moments, why can't they win, you know, so, in January? I don't see why not. The other thing to factor in there, the, the special teams have been pretty good. And that's, you know, Tressway has been really good. And he yeah. is a weapon. He has been, he is a weapon for this defense, man. And that's, you know, you can't under, underestimate that. The, the, the turnover margin, their tops in the turnover margin – during this stretch in the NFL, you know, they're deep and runs and points in, in during this stretch. I mean, they are doing so. Yes. And it, then, it, then it becomes in the playoffs. Because, but first of all, I don't want to get like Jim Zorn and start talking about playoffs like weeks and weeks before they're ready. They were six and three under Jim Zorn. And he started talking about resting guys for the playoffs. Like you're, you're crazy. And they, of course they didn't make no, They still have to win. They got to win three more games to safely yeah. get in. Yes. And you know, it, the, the schedule reads, Dallas, New York, New York, you know, San Francisco, um, and Cleveland. And only one of those teams is like legitimately not going to make the playoffs. And oh, by the way, we don't know if Cleveland is going to be a completely different team with that quarterback back. Right. So one thing they don't do, Brad, they don't stop the run either. Yeah. The the Browns do not stop the run. I can, my son has told me that every week. (laughs) You know, but like last time I saw that guy play, he was a top five quarterback. So, you know, let's see. We'll see. We'll see. And then Todd Labor wants to know, is Heineke kind of like Joe Theismann in a way? What do you think? Um, yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah, he, he reminds me of that a little bit. Very different personality. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> like, very different personality. Um, but because like, no offense to Joe, because I but like the guys who did the five o'clock club, I don't think they invited him in the shed. But I think the guys, if they had a modern five o'clock club, he'd probably be the ringleader of it. I so think he would be the cat. I think he'd definitely be there. Uh, Joe, like, you know, no offense to Heineke, Joe was a better athlete. So, you know, with a higher, with a bigger arm and maybe a little faster legs and, you know, and he knew it too. He knew it. He did. And I think the other thing, I think Joe's probably more athletic, probably a better arm. But I, but I think the leadership style, Joe was a good leader. Those, those players, like when you talk to those guys, they loved his toughness. Um, Jay Kurt, any word on Benjamin St. Juiced? Nothing yet. He was walking around okay last week. So I'm curious to see. We'll know more tomorrow. And I apologize not for having a better answer. We'll know more on Wednesday if he's able to practice or not. And so uh, pay attention to Twitter, ESPN.com. I have another podcast Thursday morning where I'll address it. So pay attention to all that stuff. But yeah, that so there you go. And then um, I think one more here. All right, clapping big dirty. Don't Birch. read that. Don't read no, that. I can't do that. Read that. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> know what that was. You're there dying for you to read that, John. Come on. Yeah. Come All right. On. All right. I didn't know. I just saw one. So here we go. Um, anyways, Bram, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, I'm like pumped for the stretch run here. I yeah. I can't believe these two games against the Giants have this much meaning attached to them. You can never get me that in the summer. So I'm pumped. here's what's. You know what's cool is how like. If, if you're an old-time football guy or any – the NFC East being this good is awesome. And oh, to have big games yeah. in the NFC East, look at the games that are coming up in the NFC East over the last month, and it's awesome. And it's if you're a football fan, I know everybody here is going to like it because it's Washington, but if you're a football fan, this is – like the, the NFL is better when the NFC East is like this. There's only it one is, time – that the Cowboys, Eagles, and Redskins were in the playoffs together at the same time, 1992. Um, there's a distinct, if Washington wins this weekend or, or somehow sweeps the Giants, there's a distinct possibility that that will happen again. And that's unbelievable. And frankly, 
if Washington's playing Minnesota in the first round, the Eagles would have a buy in you know, the way it projects out Dallas really against anybody, honestly, especially like, you know, I, I don't care who it is, you know, like what, you're not going to favor them even on the road as a wild card. You are against either one of the other division winners. Like, frankly, like I, I, this would be un, it'd be un, unbelievable if in the divisional round, there were three NFC East teams there. Like that would be crazy, crazy. And it's really not that un, like, it's very feasible right now as we stand that that could happen. Like, it's really crazy. Yeah, it's great that the NFC East is back like this. Again, it makes our jobs more interesting. It makes the NFL more fun. And that's what that's what we like. So, anyways, folks, that's it from us. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, I'll be back on Thursday with ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Ronan. Get the inside scoop on the Giants. Get ready for this weekend. Keys and predictions on Friday and Saturday. Get ready for the game, and I will talk to you next time.